Hi, I'm Tim Challey, and uh, our uh, seminar today is entitled Why Your Church Needs a Biblical Counseling Ministry Now. And uh, I'm glad to be part of the IFCA convention. We, uh, we, it's been part of our lives for many years, and uh, I'll miss being with you all, but I'm glad that uh, I had the opportunity to share something that's uh, very important to me and, and been very involved in my ministry, and that's the Ministry of Biblical Counseling. I, uh, I serve as the director of the Rockies Southwest Bible Church Extension, covers uh, the states of uh, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona. We have a church in Utah, and uh, we don't currently have a church in West Texas, but uh, hopefully someday we will. Um, it's very important today, today's day, the uh, needs of our churches uh, throughout the United States as we face uh, trials like we haven't seen in years. Uh, the the uh, pandemic that has swept our nation this year and now the uh, social unrest that uh, has gripped our nation that uh, the truth of the Word of God be near and dear to us as believers. And as we reconvene as churches to meet, uh, to offer biblical counseling to people who are hurting, because it's only through the truth of God's Word that real freedom, real growth, real blessings can come. So I'd like to uh, just take these few minutes and share with you um, what's on my heart. I'm going to open in prayer here. Lord, thank you for uh, the truth of your word. We thank you for the opportunity to share and to speak and to gather this way as the body of Christ. Lord, I just pray you'd be honored in our time together. May Jesus Christ be praised in his name. We give thanks. Amen. So I, I was very happy to see the the theme this year, taking every thought captive, and when, we, when it comes to the area of biblical counseling, uh, taking our thoughts captive before the Lord, um, not that we would take them, but we would give our thoughts founded and grounded in the Word of God and Scripture, and then how should we respond to that in a biblical and godly way. And every church has needs, spiritual needs, physical needs, um, emotional needs in a lot of areas. And uh, the counseling from godly people, uh, rightly dividing the word of truth, can be so encouraging and helpful to churches. So I'd like to spend a little bit of time here as we begin talking about the why. Why do we need biblical counseling today in our churches? And then a little bit on the how. Uh, of course, in the course of a short seminar like this, we can't cover uh, everything, but uh, I'll make my information available to you at the end. And we need to talk. I'd be more than happy to hear from you. Well, as biblical counselors, we believe God's revealed word is sufficient for everything in life. There isn't anything in life that uh, comes across our path that God's word hasn't addressed uh, to address sin, to confront sin, to build up, to strengthen, to uh, help make things right. Uh, our verse that we, uh, all of us as biblical counselors, look to is 2 Peter 1, 1, uh, 2 Peter 1 uh, verse 2 through 3. So Peter is writing to the saints uh, kind of dispersed there under the persecution at that time. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the, in the knowledge of God. It begins in the knowledge and the understanding of God as he's revealed himself to us through his word by his spirit and of Jesus our Lord. Seeing that, here's the key phrase here, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him 
who called us by his own glory and excellence. Uh, God has given to us everything we need in his word, everything pertaining to life, and as believers in Jesus Christ, to pursue godliness, to be sanctified and separated from the world, in the world, not of the world, uh, through the power of his word. A statement that I've heard many times, and I agree with this, you don't want to be a church that just provides biblical counseling. You want to be a church of biblical counselors uh, to out, have the opportunity to not just the pastor, not just the elders, but even lay people who are uh, well-versed, well-taught in the Word of God and to be able to teach other people. Um, we think of Colossians chapter 1, verse 28, a verse that I love and a great truth in Scripture. We proclaim Him as, Christian, or as Christians and as pastors and as Bible church uh, uh, people. We proclaim Jesus Christ, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present Every man complete in Christ. That's our goal. Every man, every situation, every walk of life can be strengthened and built up through the power of the gospel, through the truth of God's word. And we want to present every man complete in Christ. We, we will do that or we can do that as God would lead and God would provide through his word. So what is biblical counseling? Biblical counseling is the process where, this is kind of a definition, where the, where the Bible, God's Word, is related individually to a person or persons who are struggling under the weight of personal sin and or the difficulties of suffering. Do we have that in our world today? It's everywhere. It's our neighbors. It's our family. It's our cities. It's our towns. It's our states. Uh, everybody is struggling under this weight of personal sin. Our eyes are no longer, uh, in many respects in our community, and our nation on the, on the Lord or the things of the Lord, we've uh, replaced that with the views of ourselves, our wants, our needs, our desires, so that he or she might realize genuine change in their inner person to be pleasing to God. And there's the key there, is that we want to have people understand and realize change that only the power of God and the truth of his word can bring. Romans 12, 2, a great verse challenge to all of us and do not be conformed to this world. Do, be not shaped to the image and the thought process and the, the desires of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It begins, change begins in the mind and the heart so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. That's our goal as biblical counselors, to help people understand their needs, to provide truth that will help them change have their, uh, have their minds in tune with the Word of God that will then change their heart, their actions, and their beings. True believers, as God's people, should always counsel, we say, nuthetically. The Word itself is biblical. It comes from the Greek verb, noteo. The word used primarily by the Apostle Paul is translated admonish, correct, or instruct. And this term, which probably best describes biblical counseling, uh, occurs in several New Testament passages. Here's one from Romans chapter 15. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourself are full of goodness, not the world's goodness, not as the world would see us, but as God would see us, filled with all knowledge and also able to what? Admonish or counsel one another. We want to be able to come alongside of those people that we love, those people that uh, are followers of Christ, 
and to admonish and counsel them. 2 Timothy 2, 2, familiar verse, these things which you've heard from the presence of many witnesses and trust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The goal of biblical counseling is we would give the truth of the word of God and train up men and women to be able to go and to counsel and to come alongside of people, show them truth, help them walk, disciple them in their walk with the Lord so that they may teach others also. That's why this, going back to the statement, we don't want to be a church that offers biblical counseling. We want to be a church of biblical counselors. And I pray that uh, that is you and your ministry. People are struggling with these sins in your congregation now. Why do we offer biblical counseling? Why is it so critical now? Several areas in life that uh, people become addicted to. The number one thing would be people in our society are addicted to ourselves. We want to please ourselves. We want to direct ourselves. We want to plan for ourselves. It's all about ourselves and maybe our needs within the family. Um, and really though, our needs are spiritual needs. But people are struggling with things. Sports, you know, in this uh, pandemic we've experienced this year, uh, there's been a real dearth of sports that's gone away. And yet people love sports. They love, they would, uh, they, Sometimes they work their church schedules around sports. Sports becomes their addiction. Sports becomes their God, their children's gods. A very, uh, very uh, troublesome area in our, in our nation, the, the whole thing of competition. Of course, then there's substance abuse in the area of alcohol. Alcohol is so prevalent and so common in our society and even in our churches and our church families, alcohol abuse uh, has become really rampant. Uh, I found it interesting during the uh, pandemic when we were in the process of closing down society, at least here in Colorado where we live now. Um, initially, the governor shut down all the uh, alcohol stores or all the, the bars and all the liquor stores, and then they rescinded that and had to open those up. They found people were uh, that struggle with alcohol addiction were suffering all sorts of physical ailments, emotional ailments. So alcohol is a huge problem, and you have people in your church that are struggling with alcohol addiction, gambling addiction. I've seen the effects of gambling, not only online, but in person. But today, uh, you know, there's millions and millions and billions of dollars that are, that are gambled away. And I've seen the, the effects of gambling destroy lives, marriages, lose jobs. Legal and illegal drugs, you know, is the, the uh, prevalence of drugs becoming legal now, we see uh, more and more people uh, find uh, mood-altering, mind-altering drugs are just fine. That's an escape, and uh, that becomes a god, and that becomes their struggle. Uh, probably the biggest one, though, that people struggle with in today is pornography. It has permeated our society in every level, every aspect. So many things, so many people are affected by the scourge of pornography. And it really is a false god for so many people, uh, an escape and a way of uh, some sort of thrill that keeps us away from worshiping and serving our God. I'm gonna give you a few statistics. Over 40 million Americans are regular visitors to porn sites. There are around 42 million uh, porn websites, which total around 370 million pages of porn. The porn industry's annual revenue is more than the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. Think about that. The annual revenue is more than all those major sports combined. 
40, 47% of families in the United States reported that pornography is a problem in their home. They're struggling in their home because of addiction to pornography. 11 is the average age that a child is exposed to porn. If you have kids in your house, grandchildren, they're seeing this. 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. 56% of American divorces involve a spouse with an obsessive interest in pornography. That's, uh, um, and that cuts across all spectrums of life. Um, you know, when I've done a lot of counseling over the last several years, many, many times when I'm counseling people with problems with maybe substance abuse, as I, as I kind of talk down through there and drill down into the problem, pornography is always somewhere down there. It's, it's, it's part of that life cycle. 70% of Christian youth pastors report they've had at least one teen come to them for help in dealing with pornography in the last 12 months. It's in our youth, in our teenage, teenage boys, teenage girls. 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24 years old, 76 actively search for porn. And here's a staggering number here, statistic. In 2018, 109 billion, 12 million, 68,000 videos were watched on a website, Pornhub.com. I'm not promoting that, just calling that out for what it is. That's over 14 pornographic videos watched for every person on the entire planet. I'll let that kind of sink in. 14 videos for every person on the entire planet. This is a huge problem. And pastors, pastors, wives, missionary leaders, this is in your churches and your people need help. That's why you need to counsel them. The church has been set aside by our society as inadequate. We, uh, we send, tend to send people, they have a problem, and they say, well, we'll get you some counseling. So they go to a secular counselor, and uh, the opportunity response for helping people with anxiety, depression, and grief has been advocated to psycho, uh, psychological secular therapists and counselors. So many times, somebody will come in and I'd be talking to them and counseling with them, and I could tell just by the things they were saying, they'd been to a secular counselor, or they would say, hey, I've been a year and a half meeting with this person or that organization, in some cases spent thousands of dollars talking to secular counselors who are giving them theories, ideas that will never help them. These are some of the words people would say, uh, my illness does not define me. Even though I wasn't the outcome I'd hoped for, I learned a lot about myself. I believe in myself. I am who I, I am who I choose to become. This is the way God made me. Uh, and that's, that's a, a cry, I'm not going to change. I'm somewhat happy the way I am. And my self-talk isn't work, working. What do all those statements, and, and I've heard all of those in my counseling time, they're all about I, they're all about me, they're all about my, they're not about God. They're not about freedom. They're not about victory over the things that are destroying our lives. People come to you and they'll say, I'm, I have anxiety, I have depression, I'm sad, but they don't want to turn to the only relief that, that they would be able, ever be able to find, and that's Jesus Christ. The church, instead of holding ground on biblical truth, has acquiesced and surrendered its position to secular theorists, theories by theorists. So who are these guys? 
okay? Psychology has over 250 competing theories of mental health. They're everywhere out there. You've heard them. You've, been, you've probably had people share these with you. Uh, you learned about them when you were in college, maybe. Remember this guy, Sigmund Freud? He said, man is an instinctual animal whose aim is to please himself. Uh, he was uh, psychoanalytic. He said, we can figure it all out. We'll analyze and psychoanalyze people and assign different names to some of their conditions. And then we'll be able to help them understand who they are. Well, once again, the focus is who they are, not how they were made in the image of God. Um, you know, there's a, an old saying, we do what we do because we want what we want. And that's so true. The inner man is desiring to serve itself, serve himself, serve herself, and find pleasure in some way. And that's, a, that's the sin of idolatry of self. Abraham Maslow, interesting guy, his hierarchy of needs determines man's basic motivation. He said man is motivated and desired and uh, has needs that he, desire, that he desires to fulfill. And so in his counseling or his theories of uh, psychology, if we could address man's needs, then we would, could smooth out man's desires. And so uh, interesting concept. It's not well thought of today. Here's a guy, Mr. Pavlov. He's a, he said man's an animal. He's trainable, who can be conditioned and trained. He used his dog as a famous use case, Pavlov, Pavlov's dog, and he would train his dog whenever he fed his dog and the dog would begin to salivate and eat, he would ring a bell. Well, pretty soon, all Pavlov had to do was ring his bell and his dog would salivate. Uh, he said humans are the same way. We can train them. We can be trained instead of being, uh, you know, irresponsible adults. We can be trained to be good adults. Here's a guy you all know, Mr. Rogers. He says, man is basically good and is improved by discovering hidden potential. He was a behavioralist. Well, it wasn't this Mr. Rogers. It was this Mr. Rogers, Carl Rogers. And he was kind of the father of the behavioralist uh, movement in psychology. And he said, uh, every man has good potential. We can train them how to be good. And then, of course, the follow-up to him was a guy named B.F. Skinner, man is a conditioned animal who is a product of his environment. We can, we can train ourselves on how to behave. And really, these last two folks, Rogers and Skinner, the, a lot of today's psychology uh, that is still being used comes from some of their theories and their practices and their teachings. And that has permeated the church and permeated even the Christian counseling uh, society than, and uh, professionals that you would go and pay money to see. Uh, the Greek uh, suhe, where we get psycho, uh, is a study of the soul. And theology and psychology are in conflict over the soul of man. They come at it from two different ways. Some people, you know, hold that soul. Of course, some of the behaviorists feel like we don't have a soul, but they both address the fundamental issues of meaning and value. What is this worth? Why am I here? All these questions. Well, as a biblical counselor, we can share with our people, share with our counselors. The hope that we have is that we're here to glorify God. That's the purpose of life. And God has created each one of us in a unique way to serve him. I love this passage in 2 Corinthians. For we know that our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed. We have a building from God. We are confident, yes, 
well pleased rather to be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. How many of you have thought and said over the last few months, come Lord Jesus, we desire our heavenly home, and yet God has us here for a purpose, and that's to live sanctified lives as examples, as testimonies as to what God has done in our life. And this tent, this, this uh, earthly tent, contains the soul of man that God planted in us and that will live forever. Man is made by God and accountable to God because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. So they are without excuse. I've kind of squeezed a couple of verses here from Romans chapter one. Uh, we are without excuse because we're made by God. We see God in all of creation. We see the visible, and then we have the non-visible evidences of God from his word and his spirit. We are accountable to God. That's a very important point in our counseling. The flawed psychological premise is that man is good, man is trainable, man is responsible. Uh, back to our friend Abraham Maslow, he said, as far as I know, we don't have any intrinsic instincts for evil. Well, if Abraham was still alive today and looking around the world, I think he would see it everywhere. Genesis chapter 1, we were all made in perfection. We were made in the image of God. And our, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created man in his own image. He made him male and female. He created, and we were made in perfection. But of course, sin, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just through uh, justice through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. So death spread to all men because all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are fallen pe people, and now we need God. We need his grace. We need his mercy. Romans chapter 3, there is none righteous, no, not one, none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. This is the role of the biblical counselor, to present the, the truth of God, to bring the hope of the gospel to the counseling room so we can help people find hope instead of looking inward to look to Jesus Christ. So that, is, very briefly, is the why. Again, for the sake of time, kind of had to crunch that together. But I'd like to take uh, the second part of our time together and talk about the how. Um, we understand the need for biblical counseling now. How do we put that in place in the local church? A lot of different ways to, to do that. But as we focus in, there's basic needs that we can address. I'll spend a few minutes talking through that. So how? Some statements as we begin there. Counseling is about helping people to change biblically. When people come in and need to counsel, they're looking for change. They are dissatisfied with where they're at. They're depressed at where they're at. They're carrying anxiety and guilt. So many people carry guilt. Oh, in the past, this happened, or, or it's a blame game. In my, when I was a child, this happened, and I blame that. You know, we are all, um, we're all people that have come through the hands of God. God has created us uniquely and individually for his purpose, Psalm 139. The change we are seeking is unique and life-changing. It can only come through our Savior. Unbiblical approaches to change, we call sanctification, will impede spiritual growth. The secular counsels, counselors do more harm than good. Um, sometimes when people come in and they have all these theories and all these, uh, these sayings that mean something, we as counselors have to unprogram them and change them. 
change the way they think or we let God change the way they think. And change begins by understanding and applying the gospel to life. We are desperate sinners. Christ came and offered a way out. His blood paid the penalty for our sin. He bought us out of the slave market of sin, redeemed us as his own, brought us into the family of God, put his Holy Spirit within us, gave us his word, and said, now walk this way. And we have the opportunity as counselors to help people begin that, that path in life and that walk in life. I love this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And such were some of you. Meaning, if you look at the verses 8 and 9 prior to that, Paul goes through a whole litany of sins and really uh, very sad occurrences and sins that people were consumed in there in the church in, in Corinth. But he says, praise God, such were some of you, but what? You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified, declared righteous in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. We have been set free from the penalty of sin and death. As a, uh, as a pastor, a biblical counseling pastor, one of the things that I uh, really, really enjoyed as part of our ministry was an addiction recovery ministry. We used the material in the program from Reformers Unanimous, came out of a church in Rockford, uh, Illinois. And uh, we, uh, we ran that program for almost seven years while I was there. And now I'm here in Colorado as the, uh, as the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm have a little sip of coffee here. As the director of the Rocky Southwest Bible Church Extension, I look back on my days as a pastor there at Liberty Bible Church in Eureka, and uh, I, I loved our recovery ministry. Why? Because that's where I saw God do amazing things in the life of people. We saw this verse played out in the hearts and lives of people over and over again. Now, there was also some disappointments. There was people that uh, weren't able to overcome the sins that beset them. I'll tell you a little story here. Here's a couple here, Tim and Angela. And at one point they were engaged. And uh, let me talk about Tim here. Tim was a uh, young man that came to me and said, I need help. I said, great, I can help you. Or at least God can. I'll show you how to walk with him. As he came into my office that day, he was sent there by the probation officer and he, had, he uh, asked for to do community service. I said, okay, I can, Tim, I can help you. Put him to work doing a few things around the church, helping me uh, arrange some things. But I noticed as Tim came in, very often I could smell the alcohol in his breath, and I confronted him on that. He says, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. I have a drinking problem. In fact, one of the reasons I'm here is I got arrested for stealing uh, alcohol from a store. Well, I worked with Tim for a while. He came to our RU program, but it soon became apparent that Tim was really, really in bad shape. There's a program through Reformers Unanimous in, their, uh, in the town of Rockford at their headquarters, a men's home and a ladies' home, and men can go there, and uh, they give you a very structured lifestyle, a six-month program using the same material that we used as part of our addiction recovery program, and I took Tim to Rockford. He almost, uh, almost didn't make it. He ended up in the hospital a few days after he, he was there going through extreme alcohol uh, withdrawal. But he came through that and then uh, actually did fairly well. He completed the program in six months. He came home back to Eureka. He had been saved, baptized there at the church there in Rockford, and he was ready to serve the Lord. 
I was able to arrange for him to get a job. He was a cook, a very good cook. And uh, things went well for a few weeks. He came to church. He sang in church. He was part of our RU program. And then he started to admit, missing in action. I said, where are you, Tim? Where are you, Tim? Well, when he'd come back to Eureka, he had moved in with his alcoholic father. And before long, he was drinking again. Lost his job um, and almost died. He called me one day. He was on the way halfway between his, where he lived in the hospital there in Eureka. He said, I, I'm on the ground, I can't make it. It was January, it was below zero. I got in my car, picked him up, took him to the emergency room. Uh, he had a, a blood alcohol content of over three. The doctor and nurses says, I don't even know how, how you can be awake. Uh, well, we got Tim dried out, took him back up to Rockford. He went through another year of the program, did well, came back, Again, helped him get an apartment, helped him get a job. Uh, but soon, real soon after that, he started drinking again. Um, and uh, on May 3rd, 2019, Tim went to be with the Lord. He, uh, his aorta exploded. He had a massive heart attack and he died. Um, I know Tim is a believer. We uh, spent a lot of time in prayer and fellowship together, but he couldn't overcome these things that, uh, this addiction that drew him down. Let me talk about the other person in the picture, Angela. Angela came to us. My wife Nancy and I counseled with, with me. Angela came into our program, very similar situation to Tim, all sorts of besetting sins, all sorts of uh, struggles. She was in trouble with the uh, with authorities. Uh, if it wasn't for reforms unanimous, she probably would have gone to prison. Angela came in. Uh, struggle with a lot of the addictions that I mentioned before uh, and ended up, um, we thought it best for her to go up to Rockford and go through the ladies program. She went through the ladies program, actually met Tim up there and for a while they were actually engaged, but then that kind of broke off. Probably it was God's hand in that. Um, I'll make a long story short. Uh, Angela was delivered uh, from addiction. She actually now works in the ministry there in Rockford. Uh, she was married in 2018, uh, and now she has a, a baby in 2019. She is a living example of a changed life in Jesus Christ through the power of the gospel and the power of his word. This is one area um, that we look at for an addiction recovery. We can really reach out and counseling to help these people. I put together a little inverted pyrogram here. Christ at the, at the base, it begins with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then we need to look at our competency. Are we ready to do this? Are we institutionally ready to do this as a church? Do we have things in place? Do we have people in place? Have we been trained? Uh, and then the courage to confront, the courage to uh, address the issues of sin, the courage to talk to people and have those hard conversations. And then right away, uh, offer the love and hope that we have in Christ. And that's when change happens. So as we, uh, as we begin our counseling, it begins with Christ, who is the living word of God. I love the passage in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And all things come into being through him. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We, as biblical counselor, are holding out the word of life to people who are struggling. They're wandering in the darkness, and it begins with the gospel. So many times people would come to see me 
and uh, we'd start a counseling process and I come to the realization this person doesn't know Christ they're not a true believer and so immediately that counseling session would turn into evangelism and I had a captive audience I was able to share Christ with people and I just counted all joy the number of times I was able to in my office kneel with people and watch them put their faith in Christ and then that begins uh, a new road a new path in life second Timothy chapter 3 again a, a passage that we're familiar with all scriptures given by the inspiration of God. It is the word of God. It's profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness. It tells us what's wrong and how do we need to change. Then how do we stay right? It's doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction. So that what? So the man of God may be complete. Our goal in counseling, every man be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. Not the mumbo-jumbo of the world, not the feel-good, what's in it for me, but how can I serve the Savior of the world who died for me? How do I, now that I'm a new life in Christ, I've been crucified with Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 3. It begins with the gospel, it begins with Jesus Christ. And then we must be competent to counsel. There's uh, several books, one of them... Uh, Jay Adams, who's kind of the father of biblical counseling, wrote a book called Confident to Counsel. It's a good read. But comp what does confident mean? Um, you know, we have a church, we have a sign, biblical counseling. You know, um, we try to do things a lot today with social media and some other things, and social media is good. Uh, what I found is we had a counseling ministry and a Reformers Unanimous Addiction Recovery Ministry, is 80% of the people that came into our ministries saw the eight-foot sign we had in front of the church. Addiction recovery tonight, Friday nights at seven o'clock, every Friday, and people would come in and I would say, what, what brought you in the door? They'd say, well, I drove by your church several times, I saw your sign, and finally I said, I need help, I'm gonna come in the door. And so uh, I would highly recommend a, a, a simple sign, you uh, know, in a, a well-cared-for church and yard is very attractive when that's 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 where it begins but competency is organized your ministry is organized you are organized you're offering excellent you you yourself are offering excellence you know how to rightly divide the word of truth it's inviting make your facilities attractive make them comfortable uh, offer them comfort people want to be uh, well kept you know I thought often of uh, businesses uh, you know, you see electric companies, plumbers, you know, you see their trucks going up and down the road. If you saw a truck, for example, in a plumbing company that was kind of old and the mufflers hanging off and rusted out in the fenders, and then you saw another truck come down the road with plumbing with his phone number on the side, it was bright and shiny and well cared for and new, you probably wouldn't call that other uh, plumber. You'd probably call the plumber who looked like he was having success. It's the same thing when we offer ourselves, offer our ministries, offer our counseling, we need to be inviting. We need to be well, well kept. And so I, I'd offer that as a part of the competency. We need to be prepared. Uh, we need to be prepared for any situation that would come in. You know, oftentimes in counseling, I would always love the first interaction with somebody. Somebody would come in the door and knock on our church door and say, I need help. That happened a lot. Maybe it's happened to you. And uh, I remember once a lady came in and uh, of course we always had windows in our doors, make sure we were uh, fully, you know, fully accountable. 
And then uh, our admin was out in the foyer there. And uh, she said, uh, there's a lady here that needs help. I said, bring her in. I'm here to offer help. So the lady came in and she kind of kind of cowered as she came in the room and she kind of looked scared. And she sat down and she kind of, and I, I welcomed her and introduced myself and talked to her. And after about five minutes, she stood up straight and looked at me and said, I could take you. I was like, okay, well, I'm not here to argue and fight with you. But uh, you know, you never know that what you're gonna run into in a family situation, individual situations. We need to be prepared organizationally, facility-wise, and especially with the Word of God, uh, and to know how we're gonna handle a situation. Another very important part of this uh, uh, being competent is the opportunity to be structured. Uh, we need to have release forms, uh, uh, release forms that are that are legal. Uh, we need to have um, agreements. One of our agreements uh, in my counseling was if you agree to come in and provide counseling, we'll give you that free, but you're also agreeing that, you, agreeing that you're gonna come to church. You're gonna be here on Sunday morning. You're gonna be here on Sunday night. You're gonna come to our, if need be, our Reformers Unanimous. And uh, people that would do that, what, we, what we're trying to help people understand in their lives is they need a structure. They need a, I call it a heartbeat for God. Every day you're reading your Bible, you're memorizing, you're going to church. Your lifestyle is changing. Instead of being focused on yourself, we're gonna change that focus to the things of God. And then finally, the last thing is reliable. Um, if you say you're going to do something with somebody and be available, you need to be available. And that's meaning, uh, can't meet with you this week, uh, got a baseball game or a soccer tournament or going fishing. Uh, no, and so part of competency is to be organized, inviting, prepared, structured, and reliable. But most of all, we need to um, make sure that we understand our commitment to this. Establishing a counseling ministry is a commitment, but it's crucial. If you're really gonna help people in your, in your town, it's not just having Sunday morning services, that's great, we need to worship together, the, where the family of God comes together. But uh, and to have a committed uh, counseling ministry is to then begin to train people begin to train each other and how we're going to help others. It can't all be from one person. We need a team of biblical counselors. Certification and education is crucial. It's uh, really kind of the uh, stamp on, on your ministry. Association of Certified, Certified Biblical Counselors is an organization that I'm familiar with. I've, I've been trained in their, through their material. And then there's a couple other organizations that will feed uh, people into the uh, certification area. One is Faith Biblical Counseling in Lafayette, Indiana. I've been to their uh, training sessions uh, uh, several years. I've been to them. And then also IBCD, Institute of Biblical Counseling and D uh, Discipleship. They're out of California and they have excellent material. And I've used their material in my training as I have taught, uh, taught uh, classes and help people study and train to be take the exams and to be certified. And IBCD also uh, offers a, a pathway to be certified. Uh, certification and education, Bible education, Bible college, it's crucial to be able to handle the Word of God correctly. Make sure your Bible isn't too thin. We need to know the text. And this is hard work, but it will pay eternal dividends. To be able to open the, open the Word, somebody comes in and says, I'm depressed, and we open our Bible and we go to a text, 
in Psalms and we say, you know, David struggled with depression. Let me show you how this works. Let me show you how he cried out to God, how he confessed his sin, how he said, you know, in my, my bones were, were breaking and I was aching in turn, until I confessed my sin before you. Those are great passages. And as people come in and have different needs and different um, anxieties and depression and addictions, we need to know where to go to the word of God to show them hope, show them truth. Um, again, great verse, 2 Timothy 2, 15. And I want to also read through 16 here. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. And that's what it is. It's God's word of truth. Verse 16 is so important to the biblical counselor. Look what it says. It says, but avoid worldly and empty chatter. Why? For it will lead to further ungodliness. If we're straying from the word of God, if we're using secular theories and man's ideas and and story time and on and on and on. We are depriving our counselors of the truth. What will it lead to? Further ungodliness. It won't lead to uh, sanctification. It won't lead to righteousness. It will lead to discouragement and more and more anxiety. Know your Bible. Know the text. It's hard work. It'll pay eternal dividends. With his word, we also finally need to have courage to confront. Just got a little scenario here. Somebody comes into my office, hey, Pastor Tim, I'm struggling with fill in the blank, whatever. And so I'd say, uh, I'm glad you're here. Are you reading your Bible? Uh, no. Um, I, have you prayed about this? Uh, no. Um, do you have unconfessed sin? Well, maybe. Well, so what's happened here is in three questions, we've been able to drill down really to the root issue here, which is sin. And we need to have the courage to be able to confront people uh, with sin because it's the sin, the besetting sin that will keep them from a righteous life in Christ, which it'll keep them from the abundant life that God has called us to as believers. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. We don't just shove it under the rug or ignore them. We need to warn them as 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 children of God, as believers in Jesus Christ, they need to be told. We need to comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. Warn, comfort, uh, uphold, and be patient. That's biblical counseling. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For in Christ... We're this new creation in Christ. We're walking in the light as he is in the light. Jesus said, without me, you can't do anything. And so as people in our churches and have walked away from the truth and are out there striving in the world, they can't do anything good. You need to go back to the source, and that source is the word of God and faith and walking, walking in, in the light of the world in Christ. Counseling with Christ, competency, and courage, will produce godly change. I won't read this verbatim, this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Paul's poured his heart out to the people of Corinth. He gets, he gets to this passage, and we know the sins of the people of Corinth. We've read through 1 Corinthians. We've read through the beginning of 2 Corinthians, and Paul is exhorting them and warning them and rebuking them. And he says, though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I, I don't regret it. And as counselors, we can't worry about people's feelings when it comes to sin. We need to very gently 
warn them, rebuke them in their sin. Look at the bottom here. And again, you can read this on your own. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret in leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Do we have a sorrowful world today? People are dying all around us in their sin, hopelessness. We have the answers, the light of Jesus Christ. And as biblical counselors, we need to be ready to go. Ephesians chapter 4 Paul goes on, he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, you shouldn't walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened. Do we see that in the world today? Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Those are our people. A lot of them are in our churches. They need help. They need counseling. They need the Word of God. So we've talked about the why. And I, you know, this Psalm chapter two is so fitting for today. Why are the nations in an uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together. We see that, we see that today. Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. You know, as the nation of Israel wanted to go their own way. So reminiscent of, of what we have today. Well, the why is kind of where our world is at, sometimes even our churches. The how begins with the gospel of Jesus Christ, competency to be prepared, to be trained, to have an organizational structure in place, to be able to be people of integrity, not shaken by every wind of doctrine, but be able to accurately and wholly and rightly divide the word of truth. And we need to have courage to confront, courage to help, courage to hold up the faint-hearted. And that will produce change. As people realize the truth and the hope that we have in the Word of God and that we have in our churches, that will help people change for the way God would have them to change. Well, I thank you so much for letting me be with you I, uh, for this session. If you... Uh, would like to reach out to me and follow up. Uh, this is my email, my uh, through Rocky Southwest Bible Church extension, tjchally at rsbce.org. And then my phone number is listed there. And as uh, we close, I'd like to just pray and ask God's blessings on you, our convention, and, uh, and the, the word of God. Father, thank you for the truth now, the truth that sets us free. And uh, as Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches apart from me. You can do nothing. Lord, we are a needy people. Our churches are needy, Father. Our nation is needy. Lord, I thank you for the ministry of the IFCA. I thank you for the truth that is set forth, Lord. I just pray and ask you, bless now our pastors, our ministers, and pastors' wives, elders, deacons. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in the church today. I pray that the light of the gospel would shine forth. I pray for churches, Lord. May you raise up people that uh, can handle the word of God and be able to counsel competently, Lord, uh, to a very lost and dying world. Thank you for our time together. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.